Hi, everyone. I know recently we announced we were going to two episodes a week and then three episodes a week. But you know what? There are just too many episodes. So we are going to back to five episodes a week. Still a reduction from seven, but there were just too many interviews scheduled, and I didn't want to make all the authors wait for too long. So I hope you can keep up with me. Listen to one a week as you're on your way to work or on your way home or putting your kids to bed or whatever it is you're doing. Moms don't have time to read books now five times a week. Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do it. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. Ready to get 30, 30, ready to get 30, ready to get 20, 20, 20, ready to get 20, 20, ready to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month. So give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Hey, Dave. Yeah, Randy. Since we founded Bombas, we've always said our socks, underwear, and T-shirts are super soft. Any new ideas? Maybe sublimely soft. Or disgustingly cozy. Wait, what? I got it. Bombas. Absurdly comfortable essentials for yourself. And for those facing homelessness. Because one purchased equals one donated. Wow, did we just write an ad? Yes. Bombas. Big comfort for everyone. Go to bombas.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. Hi, I'm Zivi Owens, and you're listening to Moms Don't Have Time to Read Books. This 30-minute podcast features a new author interviewed by me every single day, 365 days a year, for about 30 minutes. I am also the publisher for Zibby Books, which publishes 12 books a year in fiction and memoir. Our books are already out now. You can check it out on zibbybooks.com. And we have a magazine called Zibby Mag, where we have lots of wonderful essays and lifestyle features. That's at zibbymag.com. We have classes at zibbyclasses.com. And I recently opened a bookstore in LA called Zibby's Bookshop at 1113 Montana Avenue at 11th Street in Santa Monica. I hope that you are able to enjoy some of our other offerings. But this here podcast is the basis of all of it and started in 2018. And no matter what I do, this is basically my favorite thing. Enjoy. Catherine Center is the author of Hello Stranger, a novel. Bookpage calls Catherine Center the reigning queen of comfort reads. She is the New York Times bestselling author of nine novels, including How to Walk Away, Things You Save in a Fire, The Bodyguard, and Hello Stranger. Catherine writes laugh and cry books about how life knocks us down and how we get back up. She's been compared to both Jane Austen and Nora Ephron, and the Dallas Morning News calls her stories satisfying in the most soul-nourishing way. Her books have made countless best of lists, including Real Simple's Best Books, Amazon Top 100, Goodreads, and the movie adaptation of Catherine's novel, The Lost Husband, starring Josh Duhamel, hit number one on Netflix. Her novel, Happiness for Beginners, just came out with Ellie Kempner. 
Catherine Summer book, The Bodyguard, was an instant New York Times bestseller, a People Best New Books pick, and nominated for Book of the Year by the Book of the Month Club. If you're still not convinced, best-selling author Emily Henry calls The Bodyguard a shot of pure joy, and best-selling author Helen Huang calls it a perfect feel-good rom-com. Catherine lives in her hometown of Houston, Texas, with her husband, two kids, and their fluffy but fierce dog. Welcome, Catherine. Thank you so much for coming on Moms Don't Have Time to Read Books to discuss Hello, Stranger. Thank you for having me. I'm so excited to be here. So are these literally the flowers from the bottom of the book on the wall behind you, or is it just a coincidence? So flowers have become quite a theme in my life since my book started to have flowers on them in about 2018. And now we always put flowers on the book somewhere, sometimes possibly even just the spine. But for that background that you're seeing actually started when when the pandemic happened, you know, because I had a book that was supposed to come out in the summer of 2020, like a lot of people, and everything, you know, got canceled and we switched everything to Zoom. And I just thought, you know, I'm going to make something festive. So I made this. It's like those little trifold boards that your kids make like science experiment display projects. So it's like from the drugstore, but I just painted it on the dining room table just to make it fun. But then I thought it would just be for the book tour, but then I liked it so much that I, I kept it. And so I just do it now for all book things. I think you should turn that into a wallpaper because I would totally like <laughs> smack that on here. I need to get some wallpaper in here. The um, best thing about it actually is that it hides whatever like crazy mess is happening on the other side of that yeah. little screen, you know, like <laughs> kids stuff everywhere and it's totally fine. Although my kids are older now, so they're better at keeping their stuff in their rooms. Which is- <laughs> How old are your kids? I have a 17-year-old son and a 20-year-old daughter who's oh in college. Oh my gosh. Yeah, crazy. So yeah, they used to be a lot smaller. I would think. <laughs> I would hope. I mean, you know, you never know. Okay. Hello, stranger. Yes. How did you tell listeners what it's about? And then how did you come up with this idea? So it's a story about a portrait artist who gets a condition, a neurological condition called face blindness just as she is kind of getting the big career break of her life and she has to paint the best portrait she's ever painted, ever. And then just as that happens, you know, as you can imagine, chaos ensues for her, emotional chaos and, you know, physical chaos. Everything is bonkers and upside down. And in the wake of that, she winds up having to kind of figure out what matters, what art is, what life is, how to really see people. And somewhere in all of that, she actually winds up falling in love with two different men at the exact same time and having to kind of figure out this love triangle. So there's a lot going on. It's, it's, <laughs> it's, it's a very, it's not a slow story. It's like, there's a lot going on. And how did I get the idea? You know, years and years ago, I was listening to This American Life. And they had a Valentine's Day podcast where they were doing all these different little love stories. And one of them was about a woman who dated a guy who had face blindness, but she didn't know that he had face blindness when it started. And part of what attracted her to him was that she loved the way that he looked at her. You know, he looked at her like he'd kind of never seen her before. And he was really kind of always like sort of really looking at her face. And something about that stuck in my head. That particular love story did not end well. <laughs> but this love story does end well. And, you know, as I was, it stuck in my head and I found myself just kind of circling back to it over the years. Like there's a there's a really swoony love story in there somewhere. And then last year I just decided I was going to write it. Oh my gosh. And then you just cranked it out. 
Well, I, yeah, I mean, <laughs> I did a ton of research, you know, that's like, for me, that's always where the stories come from is like, you, you have a vague idea of what you think it's going to be. And, and then you do all your research and that's when the story sort of comes into focus of like, what, what would really happen if this happened, you know? So I really, really took a very deep dive into prosopagnosia, which is the sort of medical term and, um, interviewed people and read books and listened to podcasts and, you know, just did everything I could possibly come up with to like really get inside what it would be like to have this happen. So yeah, that's kind of where the story came from. One thing that I really loved about the book is your voice. Like your voice is so good, so funny. The narrator, like with the first, like you feel like you are this person and the way she even thinks about like her stepmom and her stepsister who shows up on FaceTime while she's in the hospital. And like you're, you have a fabulous writing voice. I love it. I really love your voice. So that's like something nobody can ever replicate and it's just always going to be great. But I also loved, you know, confronting after the loss of your mom, like she lost her mom. And that is something many people sadly have shared and experienced. And what happens with the relationships with those who remain and how do you come to terms with that? And, and also her need to, you know, get her dad's attention and like prove something, which I also think so many of us are trying to do myself, perhaps included there. (laughs) So tell me a little bit about that dynamic. So I, Well, I really, really love stories about people who get knocked down by life and have to figure out a way to get back up. You know, I'm, I'm not very good at that. Like personally, like I'm one dirty look in the grocery store away from just like curling up in the fetal position and lying on the floor for three days. Like I'm very tenderhearted and I don't bounce back quickly, but I want to be a person who's good at bouncing back. Like I'm so interested in resilience. And so, you know, I constantly find myself writing stories about people who have to face something genuinely hard, genuinely overwhelming. And then in the course of going through whatever that thing is, they come out better on the other side, you know, wiser, more compassionate, funnier, whatever it is, they learn some important thing. And um, so for Sadie in this book, yeah, her life went off the rails when her mom died unexpectedly. And I see this story, like I always try to write stories about sort of the most important moment in somebody's life, sort of the most important series of events. And in this moment, you know, this terrible thing happens to her, but it winds up being an opportunity to sort of circle back and correct a lot of lessons that she took from that moment when her life went off the rails back when she was a kid and reevaluate them and rethink them, right? And and so I really, like, I'm a huge fan of love stories and there's always a love story in anything that I write. And it's partly because I think they're incredibly nourishing and incredibly healing. And I love the way that love can inspire you to be emotionally courageous and to deal with your stuff. And so, you know, this hard thing happens to her and she has to sort of muddle through it, but she also finds this kind of swoony love situation that also kind of inspires her to be braver about figuring out her life and who she is and what she cares about and what really matters. So that's kind of where it all started from. I wanted her to have to reevaluate a lot of the assumptions she had made about how life works and who she has to be. And this, this story is a chance to do that. And she doesn't fumble it. She does great. <laughs> <laughs> um, 
I'm the same way, by the way. That's why I love memoirs so much. Like, cause it's always about, I'm like, I like memoirs about somebody getting through something. Like it could be an addiction. It could be like falling off a mountain. It could yeah. be something tiny, yeah. but like, like you, I glom on to stories like that. And the way you said, it, I was like, oh, maybe it is because I'm so sensitive and I'm not good at that. Maybe that's why I'm so drawn to these stories. So thank you. This like has, you know, well, <laughs> clarified I, my reading habits. There was something you said a minute ago that I thought was really important, which is that the way that I write the stories is in the first person, right? Mm-hmm. So it's always like, like, like your best friend is talking to you like at mm-hmm. three in the morning over a glass of wine or two and just being really honest about her life. But I try to, inside of that, I try to construct the story so that you don't just feel like you're kind of going through whatever the thing is that she's going through in the story, like with her. You, I want you to sort of step inside her skin and go through it like as her, Yes. right? So as she's struggling you're doing the same thing. You're going through it too. You're feeling her feelings, you know, you're longing for her longings. When she falls in love, you do too, right? Because I think that stories have this incredibly powerful ability to teach us things that we need to learn. Mm -hmm. And so if you can go through a kind of virtual hard thing with somebody else, it's not a real thing that you've gone through, but you're, but you're stepping into their experience and going through it. Like, experience is where wisdom comes from. Like, right. You're not going to get wisdom the way you multiply multiplication tables. It's not something you get from a textbook. Wisdom is something you have to pull out of real life experience. And stories are kind of like the next best thing to real life experience. You know what I mean? Like getting lost in a story that feels very three-dimensional and very real. And that is emotionally resonant to you. The benefit from doing that means that on the other side, you get to pull all these all these bits of wisdom out the way you would from your own real life experience. So I, yeah, I'm always trying to make stories that are inspiring, but also that allow us to have a little wisdom. So I do like a hard thing on one side, like yep. they have to go through something hard. Like my first book to ever hit the New York times list was about a woman who was in a plane crash on the day she gets engaged. Right. Mm-hmm. And she gets a spinal cord injury. She spends most of the story in the hospital doing rehab. And every time I tell anybody about it, they're like, Oh, that sounds really depressing. I'm like, no, but it's funny because mm-hmm. the other side of the story is always like banter, comedy, yep. hopefulness, love story. And the love story, so I always have like half struggle and yep. half love story. And the love story part for me is the healing and the hope, right? So the the hard thing is the struggle and that's where the wisdom comes from. You got to figure out who you are and what really matters. But the love story is the fun part, right? The love story creates this sense of anticipation that like there is something good up ahead to move towards, right? So I always try to have a balance between both of those two things. Okay. So I'm embarrassed to say this is my first book of yours. Now I have to go back and like read the rest. I don't even know how this has happened, frankly. I mean, I'm like, where have I been? Like under a rock? Because you're describing the way you write is I love reading books like this. And the way you're describing, like this is exactly... This is my sweet spot. Where have you been all my life? So anyway, take us through, because now I selfishly want to know about every other book you've written. And I know there have been many. So <laughs> was The Bright Side of Disaster what you were just talking about? Was that oh, the that first was, one? That was my first ever book. And it was like a million years ago. It, was, it came out in 2007. So yeah, I've been around a long time. I've been like a very slow burn. My career has been... I was not like one of those people who was like an overnight success. I very, very slowly found the people... Who like the thing that I do, who want stories to be kind of laugh and cry, you know, kind of heartbreaking and heart rending and also very funny and swoony and cheerful. 
So yeah, I, this is my 10th book, actually. Oh my gosh. <laughs> but my first one to hit the New York Times list was called How to Walk Away. No, no, they're they're important even if they didn't hit the list. Okay, wait, give me, <laughs> give me, I'm gonna write, I'm gonna go through my list from the book. The Bright Side of Disaster. One one sentence, what are all these books about? And when uh, when did you write them? It's about a woman who's pregnant and her partner leaves her, her man leaves her the night before she goes into labor and she has to redefine love and what it all means and kind of do it all on her own. And I had just had a baby. So it's highly, highly autobiographical. I just liberally borrowed from my own life. Then I wrote a book called Everyone is Beautiful. Wait, were you left? Did did you get left when you had your No, 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 I didn't. No, thank God. No, I have a a very helpful husband who is still around. (laughs) Okay. okay. Though I did get lots of notes from people when that book first came out that were like, sweetheart, I'll babysit for you if you need So then I wrote a book called Everyone is Beautiful, which is about a bedraggled mom, three boys under the age of three who moves away from home and is like alone. It's very sort of comical, but it's a lot about mom life. I was, as you can imagine, in the thick of mom life at that moment with little tiny kids. Then I wrote a book called Get Lucky about a woman who offers to be a surrogate for her sister. Mm. That winds up being unexpectedly complicated, but lots of opportunities for growth. Then I wrote a book called, oh God. The Lost Husband. The Lost Husband, which became a movie in 2020, actually. And it stars Josh Duhamel. And I always thought it was pronounced Duhamel. I know there's a lot of... It's not, uh, is it? Okay, now I know. That's the first time I've heard it said out loud. (laughs) I I did some research early on because this is a name I've said a lot since, you know, 2020. No, I trust Um, you. (laughs) I think I'm right. I could be wrong. We'll check with you. I'm totally (laughs) trusting you. I just realized I've been wrong this whole time. Not that I say it so often. How often do I say it? In my mind, you know. Okay, anyway. So the last husband, Josh Duhamel. Uh, yeah, so I got to go to the set for that movie and I got to be an extra. I got to purchase goat cheese at a farmer's market from my own main character, which was totally trippy. Wow. And, fun. and I got to meet Josh Jumel, which was bonkers because he is so handsome that I forgot how to speak. Like <laughs> lost all my words. I, you know, I, every time I tell the story, I'm like, I've never seen a man that handsome before. And my husband across the room is like, uh, hello, except for me. <laughs> um, but it was just, he like sparkled. He like the handsomeness just like rose off of him like steam. And he's asking me these, like, he's asking me these, like, easy, you know, questions like not, he was not asking me to do calculus. It was just like, so are you from Texas? Like, I know the answer to that question. Yes, I am. But I couldn't make any words like the whole quadrant of my brain. It just shut right down. So that was nutty. And that movie actually wound up um, hitting number one on Netflix during, uh, during the pandemic, you know, because everybody was like trapped in their house. And here was this comforting little movie from Texas about people who have to get back up after life has knocked them down. And people just started watching it. It's, oh my gosh. Yeah. And it's called, and the movie is also called The Lost Husband? It is also called The Lost Husband. Where have I been, Catherine? <laughs> I've been under a rock. Okay. All Let right. me also say that movie has one of the greatest kisses in movie history. Like there should be an Oscar for best kiss and this movie should win it like every year for eternity because it is really fantastic. I'm going to watch it tonight. Yeah, do it, do it, do it. You'll have okay. so much fun. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. 
it. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Hey there, it's Michelle Norris. I'm host of a podcast called Your Mama's Kitchen. When I travel, I'm usually looking for a way to find a taste of home when I'm not at home. And one of the things I love to do when I am at home is entertain. And Airbnb allows me to do that. When I was in California recently, I rented a house that had a great kitchen. And when we were sitting around the table, we're all thinking, we're in someone else's house. Someone could be in all of our homes as well. If you have a home, but you're not always at home, you have an Airbnb. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. Okay, happiness for beginners. Going through the list. So then happiness for beginners is also about to become a movie on July 27th on Netflix because wow. Lost Husband did so well. The same director, writer, Vicki White, came back and did it again. And this movie stars Ellie Kemper from The Office. And oh, yeah, Friday. yeah, yeah. That's great stuff. And Luke Grimes, who's on Yellowstone. He's very swoony. And Blythe Danner is in it. So, yeah, I was very excited to meet her. So I got to be an extra in that movie, too, even though they were filming during COVID. And I... I got to spend the whole day pretending to drink champagne at a wedding with Blythe Danner, which was pretty, pretty great, pretty bucket list level stuff. So, okay. So that movie I love, I'm so proud of it. I'm doing a buddy read of it right now. I'm like rereading it right now for the first time, sort of in anticipation of the movie and doing a buddy read on Instagram. Wait, what's a buddy read? What is that? A buddy mean? read is like when you all read a book together and you use the same hashtag and you post about it and like, you know, kind of it's, it's on Instagram. So it's all virtual, but you're kind of doing it at the same time as buddies. Oh, I know. It's my first one ever, but I'm rereading this book that came out in 2015 and I'm going, and I'm annotating it because I'm going to give away this annotated thing at the end. And um, I'm reading along and I'm like, this is good. Like, I love this book. So that's been fun. And then, okay, I'm trying to go through the list. Uh, Then you have How to Walk Away. How to Walk Away, which is about a woman who's in a plane crash on the day she gets engaged and she winds up getting injured and has to kind of go through all that. And then, and there's a Swoony love story in all of them. That's just a given. I'm not mentioning the love stories, but they're in there. And then the next book was a book called Things You Save in a Fire, which is about a woman firefighter. And she is the woman firefighter who pulled the main character of How to Walk Away out of the plane crash. So they're- Oh, I love that. And my husband is a volunteer firefighter. So I really did a ton of research for that book because I knew it was a, a cold culture and I wanted to get the culture right. So I think I've heard from a lot of folks in that world that it's, it's it's accurate. So that's good. That was a big for me. Okay, what's next? Okay, next you have What You Wish For. Wish For, which came out during the pandemic. That is the book that spawned this lovely background. And it's about a teacher who gets a terrible principal at her school who's ruining everything and then she falls in love with them. And I am from a family of teachers. My husband's a teacher. My sister's a teacher. So I felt like I was kind of going to represent that world pretty well. Well, she's actually a school librarian. So, but it takes place at a school. 
And then God, last summer was The Bodyguard. The Bodyguard was my pandemic book. I wrote it in the midst of all of the craziness of the pandemic when I was pretty sure we were all going to die. Like, I don't know what you were thinking during the pandemic, but I was like, we're doomed. Like, there's no way this is going to end well. And then, you know, at the same time, I had this book to write. And so I was like, you know, faced with the end of human civilization, I think I will write the sweetest, swooniest, most charming, most romantic love story in the history of time. And so I, so here's the log line for that book. It is, a woman bodyguard has to protect a famous actor by pretending to be his girlfriend on a Texas ranch. Hmm. And that's the story. And so it's very kind of fun and high concept, but it's also actually really grounded in a lot of very authentic things because I am from Texas and we have a ranch. It's my grandparents' working cattle ranch. They've both passed away, but my mom still runs it. We spend every Thanksgiving down there. I grew up going down there. And so when I was trapped in the house, during the pandemic and feeling freaked out and in desperate need of comfort, I just mentally went down to the ranch and wandered around and went to the Brazos River and, you know, had all kinds of fun with these very sweet, cute characters. So that was my last book. Now it's Hello Stranger. And I've just turned in my next book for next summer, 2024, which is actually a connected story to The Bodyguard because The Bodyguard's actor, Jack Stapleton, who's a famous actor, he got famous in a movie called The Destroyers. And the book I just wrote is about the screenwriter of The Destroyers. So it's like a little connected, little connected story. I love Ooh. all of this so much. That was a mouthful. That was a lot of books. I, don't, I literally don't think I've ever done that before. Ask someone to just <laughs> describe every book. So thank you. Well, oh, done. Yeah. well, I hope it was not boring because it was a no, lot. No, I'm totally fascinated. Um, <laughs> so when you describe yourself, I know there's like, this compulsion in the publishing industry to sort of pigeonhole everybody, rom-com, women's fiction, blah, 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 blah. Like, where do you call yourself? Because I feel like this is not rom-com territory because where do you see yourself? Yeah. Yeah. It's a good question. I think, I think maybe part of the reason it's been such a slow burn is because I don't fit into an easy category. All my training early on was very literary. You know, I have a master's in creative writing. I went to Vassar and did creative writing there. And it's been this kind of journey in, in a much more romancy direction over time, which has been very joyful and very satisfying. But so I think I, I would say that I write a hybrid of women's fiction and romance because I really, really love romance. It is my favorite thing to read. Like given a free Saturday and a and a bubble bath, I will read I will read a romance novel. Like but, a traditional romance or a modern rom-com or like a... A Fabio romance or <laughs> how, how <laughs> I'm so glad you're asking. Actually, my favorite kinds of romance novels are historical sort of Fabio romances. And I think it's partly because they're different from what I do. Right. So it's, it, I can relax a little bit. I can turn off that like editor in my brain when I read sort of contemporary rom-coms, it's close enough to what I do that I'm constantly like, mm, was that the best choice? You know, I don't want to have to do that if I'm really trying to relax. So historical romances are just a different category, but they still give you that swoony, rising sense of anticipation and longing that is so much fun and so addictive. So they are Fabio romances, and I have really struggled with that emotionally. And actually, I will <laughs> tell you, I, I can't, like, some people love the covers. They lean in, they go for the camp. They're like, it's fine. I have never been able to warm to the covers and I put duct tape over them because I just like, I, it's just like so humiliating. You know, I have children. They're like, what's going on with you? I'm like, I don't know. But yeah, I love them though. I mean, I love duct them. Duct tape. 
literal duct tape, duct like tape the gray. The yeah. Oh my well, gosh. No, brightly colored, brightly, brightly colored, colored yeah, duct they, tape. They make all kinds of fun duct tape in the world. So that's my favorite thing to read. And I, I have actually at the end of Hello Stranger in the way back, there's a little essay and it's kind of a defensive romance novels because I think there is something uniquely nourishing about romance novels. And, you know, I think they're judged by the wrong standards. You know, we we roll our eyes at them and we call them predictable. First, we call them unrealistic and then we turn on another zombie apocalypse movie. But then secondly, we call them predictable. But the point is, with a romance novel, nobody's trying to surprise you. Like, you know where it's going. It, the question, The story question is not, will they get together? They will. They will get together. It's a romance novel. The story question is, how will they get there, right? And what romance novels do because of that guaranteed happy ending is they give you this joyful sense of anticipation, this positively valenced sense of anticipation. You're moving towards something better. That's a guarantee of the genre. Nobody's going to get hit by a bus on the last page. Mm -hmm. Like, it's going to be okay. So they can go through all kinds of struggles and all kinds of hardships. And it's never totally going to destroy us because we know they're going to figure it out. But in the back of your mind, you know. And so it creates this, it allows you to access this feeling of bliss that you can't get in a different kind of novel because in a different kind of novel, you don't know. It's uncertain. You know, there's an uncertainty there. With, with romance novels, there's like a safety that you get because you're like, oh, okay, I'm okay. It's all going to be okay. And I very badly need a sense of safety. Like I'm a total worrier. It's very easy for me to go to, you know, we're all going to die. Like that's always my starting place is death. And then I work my way back. So I love that feeling of safety. And I love that feeling of positively valenced, moving towards something better. Bliss. It's so fun for me. So for me, that's what I love to do. And so I always, always, I'm going back to your original question because I veered off for a little while. I always, always have like half the book be like, not just a romance. I'm not just like throwing it in there. Like, so I can say I did it. I, I love romance actively and I admire it and I study it. And I always try to figure out how it works. So I put a seriously swoony, like I am trying very hard in my books to make you swoon and to make you long for these two people to get together in this really visceral super satisfying, delicious way. And then I'm I'm going to make you, if I can, I'm going to make you long for it. And then I'm going to give it to you at the end. Always, always. I am never going to like give somebody surprise cancer and kill them at the end. That's never going to happen. It's like a Catherine Center guarantee. But I also love to see people struggle and have to figure out what that struggle means in their life. So the other half is always getting through something hard, right? Coming to the wisdom that you only get when you've earned it by going through that stuff. So it's it's like half and half, right? It's like women's fiction, personal growth on the one side, and then super swoony, delicious, and very PG-13 romance on the other side. And, and it has to be PG-13 because my husband is a middle school teacher. <laughs> And all of his kids read my books. Like they, <laughs> they get their parents to give them to them for Christmas. They want to see what Mr. Center's wife is up to. So it feels like a lot of pressure. I, last year when The Bodyguard came out, there were a lot of romance readers who found me for the first time. And a lot of them were expecting that there would be spice, spice in the story. And there were many who were disappointed that they did not get quite as much. We will always get very 3D, very hopefully very visceral and delicious kisses, but we're not going to like all go to bed together because oh of the middle schoolers. That's kind of a limitation in my life, but it means these are books you can give to your grandma. So you have to write an essay called Mr. Center's Wife because that's 
that's awesome. You just have to write a story or an essay because like, I don't know. That just sounded so great. We have to collectively come up with a new name for this category of book because these are like some of my favorite books are this way and it's hard to explain and it should be easy to explain and because there's a huge audience. So yeah. I, don't, I don't know. I just feel like we need, it's just like a little like variation on the, on the name. What I've been calling them. And, yeah. But I don't know. I don't know that this is the answer to this because it may okay. not be happy enough, but I've been for years now, I've been calling them bittersweet comedies or Ooh. bittersweet romantic comedies because they're, you know, they're both very joyful and very bittersweet. Bittersweet comedies. It comes. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, okay. There was a phrase that came out a few years ago where they were calling it, calling it uplit, which is yeah, like, yeah, yeah. No, I don't like uplit. Yeah. But, but anything with lit in it, I always, I don't know. I kind of never really jump in too hard on that, but um, we'll come up with something. I'll, if you don't mind being in charge of that. Just yeah. <laughs> Can we just call them like happy, sad or something? Yeah. I mean, my editor definitely calls them laugh and cry books, which I think yeah. cap- capture it because I am definitely yeah. aiming to make you like yeah. laugh out loud, right? In the middle of the night. And I also would love to make you cry a little bit, but we're going to be okay in the end. Okay. So maybe there should just be a section. I'm going to add a shelf in my store then for laugh (laughs) and cry. Because I have books that make you laugh and I have books that make you cry, but I don't have books that make you laugh and cry, which is a subset. So why don't we test it out at the store? You can come to an event. <laughs> I have a store in Santa Monica. In I know. It's adorable. I follow you guys on Instagram. Oh, you have to come. And so do you, you don't still live in Texas or you do? Where do you I live? I do. Yeah, still, I do. still live, live in Texas. Texas. Yeah, okay. I'm, I'm from uh, Well, you know. Oh, we're having a we're having a retreat in Austin next year. Do you live near Austin? <laughs> I live I live <laughs> close, close enough. enough. I'm in Houston. It's three hours away. Oh I got Austin. You should, yeah, you should come because then at least I, we could. I would love to. We have, we're recruiting authors. I'm excited. And I have to send you two books after this. One, knowing what you love. One is The Last Love Note, which we're publishing by Emma Gray. Okay. Laugh and Cry book. You're going to love it just for fun. And then I'm going to send you my college friend Danielle's book because it is a historical romance um, oh. called The Last Season, Swoonworthy, like a stable boy named Crispin. You're going to love it. Oh. And you can, I'll send it to you with a with like colored duct tape, if I remember. If I don't, this is what I want to do. And you will like them both. And yeah. so there you go. Thank you. I will like them both. I already like them. I'm okay. in. All right. Amazing. Well, I am going to go like deep dive into your backlist when I have a minute because I am really excited and I'm sorry that I haven't oh. discovered you sooner. I'm oh, no. And I'm just so delighted to be in touch with you. Thank you. I'm so glad that you found me now. Yeah. You know, I'm, I'm, I'm very grateful that you let me come on. I had so much fun talking to you. What a oh, treat. You too. Thank you for taking me through your entire career in half an hour. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Hope you enjoy your next bath. Uh, thank you. Okay. I definitely will. Okay. okay. Bye. Thanks for listening to this episode of moms don't have time to read books. Don't forget to follow me on Instagram at Zibby Owens and at Moms Don't Have Time to Read Books. Also sign up for my newsletter at ZibbyOwens.com and sign up for my virtual book club and meet lots of authors on Zoom every other week. Thanks so much to Steve and Ryan at Texture Sound for the sound editing. And thank you to Morning Moon Productions for providing this fantastic intro and outro music. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Cats and cat owners deserve better than any old-fashioned litter. That's why I teamed up with scientists and veterinarians to create Pretty Litter. Its innovative crystal formula has superior odor control and weighs up to 80% less than clay litter. 
Pretty Litter even monitors health by changing colors to help detect early signs of potential illness. It's the world's smartest kitty litter. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Mom deserves better than a drugstore card. This Mother's Day, surprise her with a truly special personalized card from Moonpig. Add your favorite photos, a heartfelt message, and we'll even mail it for you the same day, all for just $5. From mom to grandma, we have something to celebrate every mom in your life. Every mom deserves a Moonpig card. Get 50% off your first card at Moonpig.com. Moonpig.com Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with and Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that and Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus, get 15% off your first order at BowlingBranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details.